Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. wonderful guest on the show today. I know you're going to love her and we're talking about sex. Her name is Danielle Savory and she's an experienced coach and podcast host with expertise in neuropsychology, mindfulness, and particularly sexual pleasure and intimacy. Danielle sees sensual and sexual pleasure as a powerful catalyst for increased happiness, vitality, and energy. In focusing on pleasure, she believes that one can revitalize their entire well-being, turning everyday life into a more vibrant experience, and I think we can all get on board with that. In her popular podcast, It's My Pleasure, Danielle uncovers various aspects of how our everyday lives and well-being can be vastly improved when we learn how to fully embrace our sexuality and make our pleasure a priority. Danielle is a master certified coach with a decade of experience, and she's already helped transform many lives through her proven process for leading with pleasure, enhancing desire, and broadening orgasmic potential. Danielle lives in Portland, Oregon, with her husband, two girls, and a pit bull named Bruce. She loves hiking, house and yard projects, dancing all over the place, and cross-stitching, and she contemplates ways to dismantle the patriarchy. I think you're going to love her. Can you tell? All right. Without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Danielle Savory. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I am good. Thanks so much for being here. I'm excited for this conversation. A few months ago, I did a podcast episode about PCOS and the ripple effect of the condition. And one mm-hmm. of the things I touched on was relationships and sex and intimacy. And I promised my listeners I would bring someone on to talk about sex (laughs) and pleasure and libido. And then I stumble upon your stuff and I was like, this girl is perfect for it. So here we are. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so honored to be here and so happy to be talking on this because it's a huge part of our lives. It is. It really is. And it's not talked about almost at all, right? Right. It's unfortunately still taboo. So Why? Unless you're in my house that we're talking about. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Only because I mean, obviously my profession, but yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Like, why is it still, you know, I do feel that there are things changing a lot right now in, in the fabric of the way that we're approaching sexuality and approaching pleasure and talking about it. Cause even, you know, I, I think my first webinar I did, which was like, I don't know, eight years ago, something like that. It was called get out of your head and into your vagina. And I put it out there on the internet and it was like, you know, it was such a big deal because now like that was like before Instagram was really a big thing. And now you can find so many accounts that are talking about sex education. They're, you know, really honing in on the empowerment of women owning their sexuality. Like there are a lot of conversations being talked about compared to when I first started this. So I do feel like a lot of the tables are turning on that taboo but it's still like, even though people like me are talking about it, I don't think that it has quite reached like normalcy in 
conversation amongst ourselves. Like it's starting to trickle down into like how we talk to our girlfriends or how we talk to our partners or how we talk to other people around us. But really the bulk of what I see where these conversations are happening, which is where we have to start, right? Is on the podcast. It's on, you know, the social media stuff. It's on like from the experts on it. And now it's starting to hit into like, oh, hey, I could actually bring this up when I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. And and so we're starting to flirt into that territory, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's a good thing. And I think for me, it's weird because I do talk about things that are super personal, that aren't sex, like poops and periods and (laughs) right. Like, why are we not talking about this thing? Like it's part of health. It's a huge part of health. It's a huge part. I honestly think there's just so much shame around it. So it's like with poop, you know, to take, for instance, because I love talking about poop. It's like mine and my daughter's favorite topic, but (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, talking about poop, that doesn't feel like a me problem. It doesn't feel like I'm doing something wrong because my poop is off. It's like, oh, maybe I'm not eating the right foods or maybe I need to take a look at like my digestion or the way that my stress is. But we do not look at sex that way. Sex has kind of been put in this box instead of looking at it as part of our wellness and our well-being and a human experience. We're like, there's something wrong with me. And I think that's really what prevents so many women from openly talking about it because number one, they're not sure, you know, where they line up with like the, the normal, like what's expected to be normal. And on top of that, we you know, internalize our experience as probably being a me problem and it's shameful and there's something wrong with me versus this is just a human experience that most people experience like poop and acne and these other sorts of things. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I think it's, it's time. Like we're in a place where this is, this is a conversation that needs to happen. (laughs) Tell me how you got into this field. Like what made you, so you're a sex coach Mm -hmm. And tell us first, what kind of women do you work with? Meaning what problems do they usually come in with or what struggles are they having? And how did you find yourself specializing in this? Yeah. So I would say that most of the women that I work with and that I'm really, you know, working on working with more and talking to with more are just women that aren't really thinking about sex that much. It's not that, I mean, I always tend to get people that it really is a pain point or a struggle in their relationship for whatever reason. Maybe it's, you know, conservative upbringing, maybe it's mixed matched desires or mixed matched libidos in the relationship and it's starting to create tension. So I always get a lot of those women, but really what my focus is, is trying to talk to all of the women and saying like, Hey, look, like we are busy. We're trying to do big stuff in the world. And we are losing out on so much of our mental capabilities and our potential as human beings by repressing this part of us and not activating these parts of our brain region that really can only be activated by pleasure and sensual and sexual and nourishing pleasure. So that's really, you know, it's like, the everyday overachieving, like too much on their plate, overwhelmed woman is who I work with. And I think that a lot of times when we're in this place that we're doing a lot, we're just not thinking about it. It's not that it's like a problem problem, but we're like, why should I like, why does this matter? Why should I put effort in this when I'm putting effort in everything else? So that's that first part of your question, who I work with and what I focus on. But then 
how did I get into this? I mean, there's so many (laughs) different little tributaries that I think led to this, but really my background's in neuroscience. I absolutely love the brain. I love finding out ways that we can optimize ourselves as human beings. Like how do we unlock more creativity? How do we unlock focus? How do we just feel better and not feel so overwhelmed? And through my own personal struggles, I struggled with fertility issues. I struggled with miscarriages. I struggled with a lot of health issues that kept me bedridden for the better part of two years. And during this time was really when I started paying attention to this mind-body connection and the way that where my brain was going and what it was focusing on and the way that my nervous system was reacting was creating you know, this pain to be worse was creating more inflammation in my body was creating disconnect between me and myself and me and my husband, you know, a whole host of issues. And so when I really dove into that, then I was able to use, you know, other parts of my educational background to really be like, wait, we're missing a huge part here. Like so much of our conversation is about how do we just get to like operating level, but it's not about how do we actually like go beyond just, okay. And that's where I just became fascinated with finding all of the different ways that women are suppressed sexually and sensually, but really just pleasurably, like we're so under pleasured as women. And so I just geek out on the brain and and I absolutely love talking about it. So that's short story of how I got into it. So why do you think women do not prioritize their pleasure more? Like, why are we so okay with just the way things are? Like, there's no need to really put too much effort into this. We'll just deal with whatever the, like, you know, every day. Whatever comes our way. Yeah, (laughs) whatever comes our way. And if it doesn't come our way, we'll keep, you know, helping everybody else and doing things for other people and we'll, we'll be fine. And it's not important. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to like what we've been taught, you know, like we've never been socialized to truly believe that this sexual or not, but that pleasure was important, especially in our go, go, go culture. It's more about like the next thing and achieving and going after those goals and being everything for everybody. And as women, like you said, it's so much about putting other people's needs and their dreams and their desires and supporting them and that above our own. So when you just look at like the whole fabric of our society and the way that we've really, you know, pigeonholed women into being the supporters and the nurturers and the caretakers, it has disconnected us from our own desires, our own wants, our own needs. And I think that so much of our motivation as women comes from this place of the way that we've been taught and socialized, which is to make other people happy. And there's nothing wrong with that until it starts getting out of balance and we forget about our own happiness and our own desires. So really, when you look at what motivates us, it's like, what does society praise? You know, when we always look at what motivates us, it's really kind of comes down to what am I going to be acknowledged for? What's going to allow me to be accepted? What's going to allow me to move to the next level? What's going to allow me to find security, partnership? And all of those things usually are in contradiction to pleasure. And so it does get put on the back burner. It does be looked at and look at the way that we talk about pleasure. It's a reward. It's guilty. It's shameful. You know, so why would we... (laughs) 
like, why would we actually go after pleasure when you really look at all of the different ways that it's not just talked about as kind of this lazy, sometimes immoral, less than achievement than these other things like being a part of your community, being a good mom, climbing the corporate ladder, getting married, like all of those things are praised, but feeling good is not emphasized. It's so true. It's so true. You mentioned your health struggles, and I want to go deeper into that because a lot of women listening to us right now are struggling with their body, with body image. They're very much on the health journey, trying to figure out what's going to work for them. And that can really get in the way of, first of all, prioritizing pleasure and thinking like they're worthy of it, like you said, but also just libido and being in the mood for having sex, you know, on a regular basis, when you're not feeling comfortable in your body, that's really hard to do. Yeah, it absolutely is hard. And I talk about this, like I said, from a personal experience, not just having coached hundreds of women on the same thing, but like from my own personal experience, it was so challenging because my body was the enemy. Like I couldn't see it as anything of any other way. And And what I mean by the enemy, it like literally was the thing preventing me from all the things that I wanted. It was preventing me from going out and getting the kind of job that I wanted to get. It was preventing me from connecting with my partner. It was preventing me from like just doing like my hobbies and things that I like to do. It was preventing me from going out with friends. Like it was like because of the pain was so intense so often I, it just kept me from doing that. And not only that, just the way that we are again, socialized around this like beauty standard, like me, just like most women have, you know, these thoughts about our bodies or they're not good enough, or we're constantly like nitpicking at all of the little areas of them. And so when you think about desire and when you think about pleasure, like how could we ever expect to have our body show us this like beautiful experience of feeling good and pleasure when we are rejecting it and putting it down and shoving it away and saying like, you're the reason, you're the reason I feel all of these things. And then in the next moment, we're like, Hey, could you make me feel good? Right. It's just this contradictory thing where it is really a toxic relationship between ourselves and our body. And the way that I like to think of it is Pleasure requires an environment and it requires a container for it to feel, right? For it to be experienced, for it to thrive. Just like if you think of a flower growing out in a garden. And if we do not have the conditions in our mind and our body for pleasure to grow and to bloom, we're not going to experience it. And being overwhelmed, being stressed, rejecting our body, not feeling good in it, having a lot of criticism is the opposite of a conducive environment to really be able to relish in pleasure and desire and experience. And so that was kind of the key for me was noticing like, oh yeah, like how, how could I expect this? How could I, you know, want something or feel good in my body when I'm constantly berating it and disconnecting from it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's where it, you know, it all began and then trying to figure out like, what does make that environment? Like what does make that conducive environment for me to be able to like drop in and 
feel sensations and feel sensual and feel good. And of course, when you do more of that, that does lead to more of, like you said, the mood or how we call out in the medical world, libido, which I have issues with that word to begin with, but (laughs) we'll just put it there. Yeah. So you talked about like brain plasticity, like you can actually train your brain to favor those things, right? So if someone's not in the headspace right now to think about sex or they're not comfortable in their body, what you're saying is you can actually find the things that you can do to change that and create the conditions for pleasure and for intimacy and all of that. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And that's the reason that I actually have an issue with the word libido, because I think libido actually is like more of a medical term to say, you know, quote unquote, sex drive. But even the word sex drive, you know, there's so many more current studies that really show that that is an improper term. And the way that we looked at sexual desire and sex drive in the very early days was through a medical like medicalized lens. And it really does a disservice to us because we think that our desire or our wanting is completely out of our control. Now, there are medications, there are conditions, there are health things that can create that difference in hormones, right? That may not have so much of just that, like, ooh, like I'm ovulating right now and I feel really good or I feel really attractive, but that's such a small part of what goes on with our desire. But when we think that's all of it, and when we think that is out of our control, then we don't work on these other things. Like I was saying, like the container to create the conditions for desire, because your mood is more or less in your control. Not that we don't have like normal human reactions and human emotions, but we have way more control over our mood and desire really is a mood. So why would we think that desire is, you know, the special emotion or special mood outside of all of the other ones? And when we think about hormones, right, we think about like, oh, I'm PMSing and I'm just so irritable and I'm so frustrated, right? Like that was me last week. And <laughs> and also I know from doing this work, it might take a little bit more effort for me to be in this place where I feel really connected or loving or all of that, but it's not out of possibility. It's not out of the realm. Like if my husband walks in and he's talking, he's probably going to frustrate me or irritate me. He's not even doing anything. It's just because I'm PMSing, right? We could say that. But then my best friend walks in and I'm like happy and I'm joyful and I love her. So we know that it's not just like, oh, my hormones are making me this way. It's also the way that we're viewing the kind of interactions that we're seeking and that we want that can have an impact on the way that we're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. I never noticed that, but it is it is true that, you know, yeah. it, it's all, per, a lot of it is perceived. So there's definitely yes. biology, but a lot of it is perceived. So what are some tips that you have for people who are dealing with this issue of body image and working through just like loving themselves in the body they're currently in? What yeah. would you say has been helpful in terms of, you know, being open to receiving, having mm-hmm. pleasurable experiences, specifically around sex, while you're in that more difficult place. Yeah, I would say first, don't try and love your body. I I feel I honestly feel like this is such a 
out of reach place sometimes when you're feeling such disconnect from your body. Like let's first just get you to a place where we can acknowledge what our body is going through. That was like such a first place I had to go. Like the idea that I would love something that was keeping me from all the other things I loved felt so, you know, like unreachable. Like I said, it felt so out of the realm of possibility for me. So I would say if you're there where it's like, you're feeling a lot of body image stuff, but also also a lot of just pushback, you know, with really accepting this thing that might be creating pain and other hormonal conditions and digestion, you know, and all the things that it creates. Let's just start with like this tone of like, I see you. And what I mean by that is a tone of like, woman, I see you and also body, I see you. And so the way that it looks like for me or what I'm coaching my clients is like my, my phrase is baby girl. Yours might be woman. It might be lover, like something really endearing towards yourself. And I'm like, Oh, baby girl, like, this is hard. Like, of course you're feeling upset right now. Of course this is hard. Like right now you're feeling really restricted from what you can do. And I see that. And that's got to be hard. And I'm here and I love you. And just that like, hey, and also to your body, like, hey, body, I know you're doing your best. I know you don't feel good and you're trying to figure this out. I'm here. Like, what do you need? How can I support you? And so we start there just like with this just tone oozing of like, hey, I see you. That's really where it has to start. And then we can encourage ourselves, not like, I want you to do this, but like I'm learning. So then what it sounds like can be like, and I'm learning the ways that I can feel good in this body right now. I'm learning the ways to see how maybe I can meet my stress, you know, whatever it might be, allowing ourselves to really immerse ourselves and just the acknowledgement and the awareness of the acceptance of really where you are right now. And that is, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that action alone, the tone that you drop into your body and you start speaking to yourself, it's not so much important the words, but the tone will start to open you up. Like you might all of a sudden cry or you might all of a sudden you know, feel really connected or like deep down into your heart. And it's because it's like your body has been screaming for your attention and your attention in a loving way. And it finally got your attention right. and it finally felt that internal hug. So that that's what I would say. I know it's not as practical of an answer as a lot of people might be looking for, but it really is where we start. Yeah, I love that because it brings you to a place of mindfulness where a mm -hmm. lot of good stuff can happen. You're more intentional. Yes. And the tone, like you said, that's everything, right? Because we're it so is. hard on ourselves and negative self-talk is huge, especially for everyone listening to us right now. So I think changing the tone and you know, going yeah. from a place of maybe resenting what's happening to just accepting it and being mindful yes. of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing, what you said, like resenting. And it's not that your brain won't go there. You know, it's hard, especially when you see other people leading a life free from what you're experiencing. It's easy to be, you know, jealous and envious and resentful and angry and upset. Like all of that is fine, but we hold ourselves through those emotions instead of being like, I should just be happy for, you know, my friend that just got pregnant or something, or instead of like, I can have so many things. I can hold so many things. Like, of course I'm happy. And of course that stings. 
And like, I see you woman and I love like these different layers of you. It helps so much to just like go into that acknowledgement, but not deny that there's room in you to also feel good. Right. That's what I think a lot of us do. We're like, oh, if I feel pain or if I feel resentment or if I feel all these things, there's no room for pleasure. And that was the switch for me. Like, hey, there are places that hurt. And also that first sip of coffee was so delightful. And when we start to like inch into like infusing ourselves with pleasure, not in denial of pain, but understanding that these two things can coexist, that's when you really open yourself up to being able to hold space for all of it. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. I hope everyone tries that. Just give it a shot. You know, like it may not feel right at first, but give it a shot, give it a few days, do it, be consistent with it. It does make a huge difference. It does because our pleasure, when we use our pleasure as like a prescription or as a tool, it will become the balm to your pain. And that's what I learned was like when I could find that space that felt nurturing in my body, that's the spaces and the parts of me that felt okay, then that got to be like the arms that held the crying baby, right? Like that gets to be the honey to your sore throat, but we are trying to heal without any balm. We're trying to like get better without anything to meet it. And so it's like your tone, your ability to start receiving pleasure becomes the balm to the parts that need it right? It becomes the nourishment to your entire system. Yeah. And sex is part of that. So I think we should get into the juicy stuff. Let's do it. Tell me, ask me (laughs) all the questions. I want to know your idea of good sex. Like what makes Mm. good sex? Pleasure and curiosity and connection, I would say. Pleasure, curiosity, connection. I think that as a society, we put such an emphasis on orgasm and orgasm can be part of it, but you could also have an orgasm that's not that pleasurable. And most people, when they hear that, they're like, wait, what? But it's true because an orgasm is like a release of sexual tension. So if you build up right? Then you're going, it's like shaking up a can of soda pop and then opening it. And it's like, like there's a little bit of pleasure because there's a release, but we're not talking about just the pleasure that comes with a release. Like I want you to feel the pleasure of like sensual, like marinating, like, like full body orgasm. Like yesterday I had the most incredible orgasm where it felt like my like lower jaw was vibrating and there was like this opening of my throat. I was like, whoa, like I had, you know, I've had lots of different (laughs) orgasms, but that one I was like, ah, that's new. And it almost like brought tears to my eyes because it was so much like flooding a pleasure to my whole system. So I would say good sex, even if it's not like mind blowing jaw orgasm, (laughs) is just, (laughs) is just like feeling curious and feeling good and feeling connected to your body. Yeah. Okay. You talk about marinating. I know you have a pretty interesting idea of foreplay. I heard you talk about you and your husband going on walks and I want you to share a little bit more about that because it's definitely not what we tend to think about when we think about foreplay. So tell us like your philosophy around this. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I just think that we do such a disservice to especially those of us with vulvas when we say that foreplay is like the heavy petting or the fingers or the oral or like even just like the bumping and grinding and like crazy dancing. Like when we say all of that's foreplay or, you know, as a kid, it was like first base, second base, third base. Like when we say all of that, we make it seem like the P and the V if you're in a heterosexual relationship or penetrative sex to begin with is where we're aiming for, is what we're trying to get, is like the pinnacle of all the sexual experiences. But like, like P and the V intercourse isn't touching the parts of us that like have all of the pleasurable nerves, you know, like a good thought is to think of like, well, we wouldn't just like fondle his balls and be like, have you came yet? Like, what are, what's going on? Do you like this? Like there's other parts involved. And so Really, I like to just expand our view of what we think sex as is just like, you know, nakedness, genitals are probably involved. And when we think of that, then what foreplay is, is all the stuff that leads up to you being willing to proceed, right? Willing to be open, willing, like starting to feel turned on and starting to feel into that. So, you know, sometimes for me, it might be flirty text. Sometimes it's going on a walk and just feeling that connection. Sometimes with for me, the foreplay has nothing to do with my husband and it's me getting in my body. It's me starting to connect with my own senses because then I feel more open and willing to proceed. So really think of it more as like allowing you to be turned on enough to take the next step forward. Yeah. Yeah. And the biology is different between men and women. So I think a lot of what we know about sex or studies that have been done have been done with men. And that is not how we operate. That's not how our body works. And so the expectation needs to change as well, as far as what it looks like, how long it takes, what are some of the things that work. And so I think a lot of women are still not comfortable saying like, this doesn't work for me. Like I would rather do this, even though it may not, like you said, be sexual. Like it may not be an act that is necessarily sexual. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts with like, you know, really it's a regulation of our nervous system because like I said, as women, you know, we're constantly, as we started this conversation, doing putting other people's needs and wants and desires ahead of ours. And as a result, our nervous system gets very activated. So a lot of times we just need to bring our nervous system to a place where it even could access pleasure, which is a more calm out of the stress cycle spot. And then we can start to get turned on and you know, it's interesting because it's like, you know, between men and women, there are so many similar things. It's just, we have been taught so differently. Like we have erectile tissue, that erectile tissue really does need to start to expand and have the blood flowing to it, just like a penis before, you know, it wants to be touched and played with and have all of these things. The problem is we're just not taught. We never learned about that. Like we never thought that was a thing. And Also, because we haven't had the most pleasurable experiences and we are proceeding without a lot of desire, then what goes on is like we actually 
want to rush through it. So sometimes a lot, you know, it can be the woman that's like, okay, let's just get this over with. Let's get it on. I'd rather go and watch my show or go to sleep is most of us like sleep is more important. Can we just get the show on the road? So we skip over these things that we were kind of taught was irrelevant, which you're in a long-term partnership. Like, why are we still making out? We don't need to make out. We're not teenagers anymore. So we skip over all the stuff that actually is the most conducive to your anatomy being turned on. We rush to the P and the V to make our partner happy. We have unsatisfactory sex. And then we wonder why we don't want it. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, because you're not giving yourself the time. You're not even allowing yourself the space to have pleasure because again, we don't think it's important. So it's like, I got to hurry and get to sleep so that I can wake up and do all the things that I need to do for everybody else in the morning. And then yeah. we just get in that vicious cycle. But with that, Danielle, I'm mm-hmm. freaking tired. Okay? Yes. At night, like, yeah, I'm tired. Like, I want to go to bed. Yeah. So tell me your thoughts, because I'm all about morning sex. Like, that works well for me. Because tell me about that. Like, what what are your thoughts? Does the timing matter? Yeah, like, you know, like... It does, but I don't think, again, that we should let it stop us if we do not have an option other than night. So it's like everybody's schedules are different. Everybody's you know, like, I don't want to be like, Hey, don't have nighttime sex. If you're tired, if that's the only time that you would actually have to have sex, then it's still worth it. And I think the thing that we don't realize about pleasure is the more that you access that not right then in the moment, but it does actually support you to have more energy the next day. So we think an extra 20 minutes of sleep would do the trick, but it's actually more pleasure before you go to bed, will give you more vitality the next morning, not less. That 20 minutes of sleep isn't going to make as big of a difference as sexual pleasure. So just knowing that I think helps my brain (laughs) when I'm tired. And then the other thing that I would say, as far as timing goes, like this is when we get to start asking ourselves, like, when do I have more energy and would it be easier? Not that it's impossible at night, but if I have an opportunity to make it easy, why not? And I did find that I had to do way less mental gymnastics for myself to get in the mood when it was in the daytime. So Mm -hmm. we started doing nap time sex when my kids were really young and on the weekends, you know, so they would be taking naps. So then we would go have sexy time as they got older. They weren't taking naps anymore. Mom and dad are taking a nap. Like we're taking a nap, doors locked, you know, and it was just like, they just know mom and dad take naps every weekend. They don't know what those naps involve, but they know that we're like door shut. Don't interrupt us unless you're bleeding, you know, sort of situation. So we did make that work. And then with the pandemic, my husband started working at home. So we were able to find time because now we're both working at home. So I do have that, you know, that, that privileged situation where we're both at home working. So we can find time during the day. Now the kids are home. So they're like, oh, you guys also nap during the week. (laughs) But I do think it's like, what is the place of least resistance? Like if you're already resistant to it, get creative and then ask yourself, okay, like, how could I move past this? Like I just had a client. She was like, I would have so much 
more energy during the day. Her husband did work from home, but then she had such a resistance of asking him because it kind of felt like naughty and she didn't even realize there was this whole good girl belief system operating in the background that made her be like, but we don't do that in the day or I need to be working or this feels irresponsible. There was all these other mental obstacles we had to work through. But when she did, it was such a huge unlock for both her and her husband. Okay. You mentioned long-term relationships and like Mm -hmm. long-time partners. Talk to me a little bit about how to keep it spicy after you've been with someone for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Things are maybe getting a little stale, a little boring, like it's just not what it used to be. Yeah. Well, I've been with my guy for 20 years. So I talk about this over 20 years now. So I talk about it from experience Experience. of going through the lulls. But, you know, one of the things to understand is arousal does require novelty. And a lot of times when we think of novelty, which is a newness and it gets us excited is we think of things we can do, right? Like different positions or maybe bringing in different toys or different role plays. All of that can be super fun. So that is on the table and that can be brought up in your relationship and talking about it. The other thing that I think it's important for us to know is that we can also create novelty without anything being new, which is just the way that we approach it. So what happens a lot of times in long-term partnerships is we assume we know what's going to come next. We assume, we, okay, well, I know that, you know, I'm going to say he, cause like my husband, right. He's going to kiss me this way. And then he, like when things start heating up, he's going to bite my lip and then he's going to, you know, start rubbing my boob and then we're going to do this and that. And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Right. right? You know, the whole sequence, yeah. you know, the whole thing and how it's going to go. Now that part might be true, but assuming it's that that's the space we have to work with. Your brain, assuming you know what's going to come next, is actually what's killing the experience, not if everything looked the same. So what we want to do is we want to introduce a curiosity like, ooh, that feels good. Like, where is he going to go next? Like kind of trick our brain into thinking this is brand new. Mm -hmm. So pay attention. And so I have like a whole, it's a free course. It's called Fresh that I walk through step-by-step how to do that. So anybody in long-term partnerships, check that out. It's totally free, but it really is using the brain power and your attention and capturing your attention in a different way. Because if your brain thinks it knows, then it checks out. It's going to start thinking about like, oh, did I make little Susie's lunch for tomorrow? Not (laughs) about the fingers going like trickling down towards your waistline, you know? So it's like, we really have to pay. This is where mindfulness comes into like, where's my brain going? And can I capture the attention and bring a curious tone to it, which is going to help you feel so much like juicier and turn on like, ooh. And because when you think about it, when you first started dating, you're like, oh, that feels so good. Where are we going to go next? Are they going to go here? Da, da, da. And that's what creates arousal. Okay. All right. I love that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about having more sex. I, I heard an episode of your podcast, which is really great. And I recommend everyone check it out where you talked about the best way to love sex and be really into it and have desire is to have sex. Yeah. And you talk, it's like, what a concept. Novel concept. Yes. <laughs> but you talked about how it kind of feeds itself, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like how the desire, yeah. you know, can't happen. Like you said, if the conditions are not there, or if you're not thinking about it, or you're not prioritizing it, you're not making space for it. How could you ever reach the point where you love it? Yes. Or it gets right? better or anything, or, or we better. learn yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think having sex obviously is a huge part. Remember my definition of sex though. So everybody out there does not have to be intercourse, but we really, it's like a skill. It is not just a skill of like getting really good at a position or a technique, though that can be helpful. What I'm really talking about is it's a skill of learning how to focus your mind. It's a skill of how do I be in my body? It's a skill of how do I prioritize pleasure? It's a skill of how do I let all the urgency go in my brain that I should be doing something different and just lay back and let myself receive the goodness that's here, right? And we have to practice that. It's like, you would not go out on a tennis court and expect to be Serena Williams. Like it, it takes practice. And at the beginning though, I don't want you to think it's like, oh, I'm just going and having sex all of the time. I think we get so caught up in the numbers. You can learn so much once a week, like start with just like minimum, like once a week, like once a week is my minimum. Like it is like, unless there is something really going on, it's going to be once a week. And when you do that and you give yourself permission for that to be enough, and you really allow yourself to learn from each one of those sessions, you may have it more, but I don't like to put a real number on stuff. Cause I think then women can create even more pressure because we like right. to be really good at things and perfectionist. And so I'm just like, just bring the bare minimum, like once a week, that's it. This is my time. But what you'll notice because it's once a week, you'll start to do things and practices. And this is what I I do in my group coaching. Like we think about how are we going to work up to that one time so that we can benefit from the, the most? And what did we learn in that session? So we can make tweaks throughout the rest of our week so that the next time we can you know, possibly experience even more pleasure and really expanding on our pleasure potential week after week after week. And if someone's not feeling comfortable in their body, I want to go back to that for a little bit. Yeah. Can that work be that time leading up to it be used to prepare them for that or to feel more comfortable? Because that is a huge thing. And with PCOS, you know, a lot of women there are periods of time where they don't feel feminine because there's Mm. hair where Mm. hair shouldn't grow normally or, you know, all kinds of things that relate to appearance that, you know, as much as we want it to not make a difference because everyone is beautiful in their own own current body, it does make a difference for a lot of women as far as self-esteem. Yeah. So I want to talk more about how women can do the work and prepare themselves to feel more comfortable when they're naked, when they're in intimate situations and not get distracted and think about, you know, or is my chin hair showing or what, you know, whatever it may be so that they can experience pleasure fully and not be distracted and think about other things. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is let's lower our standards that there's never going to be distractions because (laughs) We are highly distractible society and our brain has been conditioned to be easily distracted. So if we just accept that as a fact, that can create so much more grace with your experience and 
I like to say you celebrate the noticing. So we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be completely undistracted to be able to experience pleasure. What we're practicing and the skill that we're learning is to notice when we're distracted and bring it back. Right. So it's like, oh, there my brain went like thinking about my chin hair again. Like, oh, of course, woman, of course it went there. And my love, let's come back to our body. Let's take a deep breath. Let's reset. Let's come back to the fact that I'm being kissed right now or touched right now and like really reconnect from our body. So I'd say as you, you'll work on stuff outside of, but in the moment, right. that's what I would recommend, right? Is not making the distractions be a big deal, yeah. but also not letting yourself get stuck in the loop of being distracted. Even if you've been distracted for a while, don't be like, oh my God, I've been distracted this whole time. There I go again. I suck at this. It's just like, oh, there I went. I was gone for a little bit. No worries. And then coming back. And yeah. then it's like the concept of equanimity from meditation, yes. where you're kind of like always coming back to yes. present situation and you, you don't yes. make a big deal about going somewhere else for a few seconds. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And over time, you'll start noticing it faster. You'll start coming back quicker. It will be easier and easier for you to drop back into your body, right. but don't make a big deal about it. And sometimes if I've had a really stressful day, even though I've been, you know, like my background started teaching mindfulness before any of this stuff. So it's been like well over a decade I've been doing this stuff. I could be so easily distracted because of stuff that went on during the day, but I just don't make a big deal about it. It's like, oh, wow, my brain's really off, <laughs> off focus today. Of like course, there it goes yeah. again. There it goes again. Okay, back, back to my vulva. What does that feel like? That's way more interesting, you know? <laughs> but when it comes to, like you said, preparing during the week, I think that, one of the main things is to acknowledge if if you're, like you said, it, we would love to be there where we're just like, everything's beautiful. I love all of this stuff, but let's also reality check that takes time and that takes work. So what I like to say at the beginning is keep doing that work on the belief of seeing yourself as the beautiful being that you actually are and understanding that our experience of the body is sensual. And that means that our experience of the body is in our senses. When we're only focusing on the sense of sight, then we get hijacked of only having an experience of our body through what we're seeing. And so if you start to experience and relate to your body through your other senses, like if you're sitting there and you're taking a nice deep breath, like let yourself be like delighted by the sound of like your sigh, you know, allow yourself to experience a beautiful song and being connected to your senses in the way that your body just like wants to move in response to that song, like allow yourself to relish and taste and really bring home the point here that my body is delivering this stuff to me. And so when we start to relate to our body through our senses, it allows us to have this different sort of appreciation for our body that isn't just like put into this box of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then the more that you have this appreciation and love for all these different experiences your body's now having because you're paying attention to them, it's so much easier to be like, and there's what my body looks like. 
here's right. how my, all the ways my body makes me feel. And there's what it looks like. And you can start to lower that criticism step-by-step, step, but I would say, start with the foundation of experience your body through your other senses. Yeah. I think everything that you're saying comes back to, instead of thinking about how do I want to appear? How do I want to be perceived? Or how do I provide pleasure to other people my partner, who, who, whomever, it really is yeah. all about you, you, right? It all yeah. starts with us. And yeah. that's the biggest, the hardest work, really. That's yeah. the yeah. obstacle usually. Absolutely. That's exactly why I named my podcast. It's my pleasure because we really have to come back to like, this is mine. This is created for me, by me and to serve me. And when we tune into that, so many more opportunities are opened up. I'd love to know if there are any apps, sex toys, other tools that you recommend or have seen to help women to kind of be open to receiving pleasure and experience it in a better way. Anything um, like unusual or something we wouldn't like think about or anything? Well, like that? I mean, there's that's a huge range because it yeah. depends really where, where we're at. You know, I, I think that there's so much where it's like just regulating your nervous system, right? Like whether it's a meditation app where you're just meditating or you're tapping or you're, you know, doing some sort of yoga practice, like something that's getting you in your body. I think that's a huge part, right? So it really does depend on where we're at. Like we could talk just sexy stuff and that's like audio erotica or reading fantasy or reading all of that. But for most of us, it's like, that's not the entry point. <laughs> like the entry point is like first feeling more like connected to your body and waking up to your sensuality and your pleasure. And we want to get there first. You know, we want to get to this place where it's like, you can enjoy like really immersing yourself in a sensual cup of tea or a shower or something else. And then we get to to layer it with the more sexy and sexual experiences too. So I would say it starts really with regulating your nervous system and opening up to that. But then there's tons of sexy stuff. I mean, there's like, I mean, you can go out in the market and find a number of different toys. You can find the audio erotica. You can find romance novels, like your granny's romance novels can do a number for your imagination and connect you with your body. So there's lots of fun things like that. Is that like an erotic podcast, essentially? Audio erotica, erotica? is like books that are read. So it's oh, like, like an audio book. Yes. Okay. Like it's like an audio book of or audio story that you can listen to instead of like watching porn or something. So it's right. really allows a lot more of your imagination and to be immersed in the experience because we're not being distracted from like depictions of what sex we think should look like. And it's more about like the tone and the moans and like, let me take your clothes off sort of thing. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We could probably continue talking about this forever, but I, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I want to wrap up and have you give our audience a little, you know, summary or, or a few final tips. And then I have some rapid fire questions for you if you're up for okay. it. And yeah. then, yeah, so let's do that first. What are some of the like final tips you have? Yeah, I would just to summarize in the final tips is notice your tone, notice the tone, the way that you're speaking to yourself, really pay attention to this. And if this feels like such a vast thing, just notice your tone in particular areas, right? Notice your tone, especially if you're dealing with like a health and 
you know, issue with your body, like how are you even talking to your condition or about your condition? And can we start there? Can we just start talking with a different tone towards yourself of acceptance and like, Hey, I've got you. The other thing, connect with your senses, get in your body, connect with your senses. This is the quickest and easiest vehicle to get out of your head and into your body. And then you can use that during, you know, to help with your relationship with your body, but also during, if you notice that your brain is distracted or if it's going into different places, then really quickly bring it back in and connect with the sense. Okay, great. I have four rapid fire questions for you, whatever comes to mind and, you know, just give us your, your first I'm nervous. Okay. No, it's really just for fun. <laughs> All right. The first one is if you weren't a sex coach, what would you be? I would neuroscientist for sure. I would go back to the lab and start studying sex on the brain. (laughs) Okay. All right. I love that. What's your favorite meal at the moment? Oh, that's so hard. My husband cooks and he's cooking so many great meals, but I would say one of my favorite ones he's been cooking lately is like this beef Kafka thing. And it's like this Mediterranean sort of meal with rice and salad. And it's so good. Sounds like a keeper over there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you could go to dinner with any famous figure, alive or not, who would it be? The thing that's coming to me right now, which is so strange, (laughs) is Freud. Cause I've never okay. thought that I would actually want to like, <laughs> like normally it's like Michelle Obama or like Oprah or, you right. know, like something like that. But that's really strange that, so I'm going to say Freud, cause that's the first thing that came to me right now. I think I would really want to get in a debate and challenge a lot of his theories and talk about it deeper. Okay. So that'd be fun. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And last one is what's one healthy habit that you think is underrated. It's not talked about enough. Self-pleasure, a.k.a. masturbation. Okay. We didn't talk about that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Very underrated. Okay. Get your well, pleasure, ladies. That's the main takeaway. <laughs> Get your pleasure, pleasure one way or another. It will benefit you in so many ways. Okay. I want everyone to be able to check out your stuff. So can you share where they can find you? We'll link to the free course, which is called Fresh, right? That's yes. mm-hmm. uh, a great place to start. And yeah. then I saw you have a course on blowjobs recently. Yep. That's new. So yep. And then uh, receive it. Yeah. So you can find me, my website, daniellesavory.com and go to courses and you'll find these, you know, little shorty one-offs. And by, so I have the blowjob course. I have, you asked a question about how do we receive pleasure? I have a whole masterclass on how we can open our bodies up and help ourselves receive more pleasure. There's, you know, a class called fresh. That one's totally free. And that's helping you make a long time lover new again. So all that's on my website. My Instagram is called at the practice of pleasure or you can also find me on my podcast called It's My Pleasure. The yes, theme and of I, pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. I highly recommend the podcast. It's a great, great resource. And mm, thank you. I just noticed there's a titty pillow behind you. Oh yeah, that. and the Volvo yeah. one. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, all of them. Oh, and there's a bra because my, my daughter likes to always put my bra over... <laughs> over my poop pillow <laughs> but yeah see the vulva flower oh, yeah. pillow too I, okay love that <laughs> we're gonna have to take a picture of that danielle thank you so much for being here this was great yeah thanks and for having me this was fun i'm sure we'll connect again and maybe have you back for to talk about other things there's so much here yeah 
yeah, give all the questions after you listen to this podcast. Maybe we can come back for a Q&A. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you.